does the government have a weather control weapon in a top secret installation in Alaska? I, I don't. I don't think so. Some but people would argue. A lot of people would argue that not only is it a weather manipulation weapon, but it can cause earthquakes and blizzards and it's mass mind control on a huge scale. We're going to talk about the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, also known as HARP. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Deep in the forests of Baconia, Alaska is the home of one of the world's largest antenna arrays, HARP the High Frequency Altitude Research Program. Shrouded in mystery and conspiracy since its construction back in the 1990s. Now given to the nature of the facility, conspiracists believe HARP was constructed to control the weather. Weaponized weather to pinpoint destruction on precise targets across the world. HARP has been credited by these conspiracy theories as causes of the following. 2006, massive Philippine landslides. 2010, earthquake in Haiti that killed over 220,000 people. In 2011, the earthquake in Japan causing tsunamis around Tokyo. Then in 2013, Oklahoma tornadoes that wreaked havoc with multiple events. And probably more recent, uh, recently at least, is the 2021 devastating cold weather of Texas that you might remember. Now, some even believe HARP has the ability of mind controlling and ultimately alterating the very fabric of reality. Now that there, folks, is some Star Trek quantum leap Doctor Who kind of stuff. Before we really kind of touch more on the conspiracy side of things, though, I think it's important to say, what is harp? What what harp is? It's a musical instrument. It's a musical. Well, that's with one A. <laughs> so harp was initiated as an ionospheric research program. If you remember any of your earth science from high school, you know, the ionosphere is part of our atmosphere. And it's it allows for us to have radio communication and, and you know bounce those signals around the world. So the HARP was originally founded to research the ionosphere and how you could uh, use the, the lessons learned there to improve communications, things like that. It was jointly funded by the U.S. Air Force, Navy, the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA which we could go on a tangent with DARPA it itself is the target of a lot of conspiracy right, theories. Right. It was designed and built by BEA. I want to say that uh, Bay just because Bay but, uh, BEA advanced technologies. And like Eric said, it's located North of Gakona, Alaska, just West of Wrangell St. Elias national park. And I, and I, I don't have the name like you did where it's exactly located, but, but the original purpose was to analyze the ionosphere and investigate the potential for developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. So it sounds like a lot, but basically it's just trying to improve radio communication and things like that. And obviously any government project surveillance, it's going to have a military application. We're going to keep an eye on the bad guys, whoever they may be. All right. 
Now, since 2015, it's been operated by the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Uh, and the main instrument at HARP is what they call the Ionospheric Research Instrument. It's very simple, the IRI. It is a high-power radio frequency transmitter operating in the high-frequency band. It is used to temporarily excite a limited area of the ionosphere. I like that, to excite the well, ionosphere. I, if, if I understand my readings correctly, when they actually activate it, you can kind of see it like an aurora borealis type effect. It can actually you know, cr- cause the ionosphere to light up. Yeah, something so like the northern lights. Yeah. I can understand why people might be a little concerned when they see something like that. Uh, now, other instruments at the facility are used to analyze the results of this excitement, <laughs> since you like that so much. It also allows the study of how the natural ionosphere affects radio signals. So, of course, using these findings, they hope to improve current you know, radio communication, uh, both, both for normal communication and of navigation systems, both civilian and military. Uh, one of the immediate impacts you, you know, we took advantage of, obviously, would be increased accuracy of GPS navigation around the world. Not like we don't use that every day. Yeah, no it's kidding. on our phones. But it would also create advances in underwater and underground research and applications. Now, that sounds a little scary when you hear it. <laughs> um, obviously, underground, we talked about earthquakes and, and underwater. But basically, it enabled them to have a new way to communicate with submarines. Right. And... You know, you want that to could be, able be a to, game changer, you yeah. know, especially with, uh, you know, the bad guys, as you said, whoever they might be this week, yeah. you know, trying to uh, send submarines and stuff well, up to explore. Not only that, but when you talk about underground people in mines and things like that, obviously, you know, we, we're still, we still have mining operations active around the world and you want to be able to communicate with those people. So it kind of changed our understanding of, of radio technology, basically. We, we use the advances that we found through HARP to make it easier to communicate with people underground and underwater. Now, some history. Work began in 1993, and the HARP site was built in three phases. Phase one was a developmental prototype that had 18 antennas organized in three columns and six rows. Phase two is called the filled developmental prototype, had 48 antennas organized in six columns by eight rows. And phase three, the final IRI, has 180 antenna units organized in 15 columns and 12 rows. Now, that's spread out over a 33-acre plot of land there in Alaska, to kind of put that in perspective. 33 acres of antennas. Yeah, it's just, it's like a forest. Yeah. Of, for all for all intents and purposes, a big forest of antennas. And if you see the pictures, I mean, it's kind of a crazy-looking sight. Now, the current working IRI was completed in 2007, and as of 2008, it had incurred $250 million in tax-funded construction and operating costs. In early May of 2013, it was temporarily shut down, awaiting a change between contractors who would take over the facility. And in May 2014, it was announced that HARP would be permanently shut down. However, later that year, discussion led to ownership being transferred to the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And that all kind of went back to the military cutbacks during the Obama administration and stuff that we saw. The University of Alaska took over in 2015 in August, and they make the facilities available to researchers on a pay-per-use basis. Now, according to HARP's original mandate, the project was always intended to be open. All activities were logged and publicly available, which continues under the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Scientists without security clearances and even foreign nationals were allowed to come there uh, and routinely allowed access to the site, which also continues to this day. I mean, that's pretty much an open book by all definitions. And they routinely host open houses where any civilian can tour the entire facility. But yet we still have all these conspiracies, the conspiracy theories, you know, not only the ones we've talked about, uh, you know, not only the natural weather control, but 
Some even speculate that they have the ability to create and orchestrate tornadoes and hurricanes, earthquakes, to drop them with pinpoint accuracy where they want them. And does it stop there? Oh, no, no, no. Just getting started. It's also speculated HARP can pinpoint satellites or even particular airplanes and drop them out of the sky, interfere with normal communication, altering or even replacing signals or directions making north become south and east become west. I mean, that's Bermuda Triangle kind of stuff. So I'm going to add a a pinch of war games and day after tomorrow apocalyptic stuff to our recipe here. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of scary when you when you look at the things people say harp can do. Like you said, uh, the, the number one claim is harp is capable of weaponizing weather. That's the number one claim. Yes. A Rosalie Bartel warned in 1996 about the possibility of using harp as a military weapon. And a Michael, and I, I will get this name, Trusadovsky, he said in a book published by the Committee of Monetary and Economic Reform, that recent scientific evidence suggests that harp is fully operational and has the capability of triggering floods, blizzards, hurricanes, dangerous lightning, droughts, and earthquakes. The belief was that using HARP's focused energy in tandem with aerosolized nanoparticles released into the atmosphere would trigger these these weather phenomenon. Now, HARP has been blamed, like you said, for these disasters. Iran, Pakistan, Haiti, Turkey, uh, the Philippines, blamed for major power outages, all kinds of crazy weather, apocalyptic weather. And as we well know, the weather is becoming it is, more and more it, unstable. It's a little crazy right now in the past few years. They accused the, the downing of TWA Flight 800. Yes. Which I believe broke up in flight. Uh, the Gulf War Syndrome and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. So if, if, you, can, if you can name it. Harp, you can dream you can it. do it, apparently. Apparently. Such notable world leaders as Hugo Chavez and Ahmadinejad even. Venezuelan leader Hugo Chavez claimed that HARP or a similar program triggered the earthquakes in Haiti and accused the government of the United States of playing God by testing such devices on people. In 2010, the president of Iran, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, claimed that the floods in Pakistan were caused by HARP's electromagnetic waves. Well, of course they were. Uh, Yeah. And he also accused, now get this, listen to this. He also accused European nations of draining rain clouds before they could reach Iran. Wow. I don't think you get it both ways, causing water shortages. You can't have, you know, flooding and water shortages at the same time, but hey, whatever. (laughs) Um, I want my water where I want my water. uh, Nick uh, Begich Jr., son of uh, U.S. Representative Nick Begich and brother of former U.S. Senator Mark Begich and Alaska State Senator Tom Begich, claimed that HARP could trigger earthquakes, could turn the atmosphere into a giant lens so that the sky would literally appear to burn. And he maintains a website that claims that HARP is a mind control device. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, you're talking about the radio waves and stuff. Now, these travel up about 30 miles approximately into the ionic sphere and resulted, as you had touched upon, kind of a light show, uh, the northern lights, you know, simulation of that. And, you know, scientists insist that this was done, of course, to better understand, as you stated, how all this affects communication and then possibly as coming off of that, how the northern lights could also affect it. And a side effect was noted by scientists that this experiment lended itself to, get this, the possibility of offering natural simulated lighting for entire cities or possibly lighting communicational billboards of sorts that could be seen from space, possibly to use with NASA and manned satellites or even extraterrestrials. Now, that's 
pretty crazy <laughs> yet amazing. You know, imagine the possibility of entire cities being powered by ultimately the weather uh, from up above. So now we got to add a little pinch of Blade Runner and maybe some cyberpunk <laughs> to the recipe of the story. So Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. I think we're all familiar with Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura was a popular professional wrestler back in the, I believe, 70s and 80s. Uh, Jesse fact, the Body Ventura. I, I've been watching some classic WWF on TV and, you know, that, that gravelly Jesse Ventura voice announcing, you know, and of course he was the bad guy, so he's always advocating for, you know, bad guy behavior and, and things like that. <laughs> and then somehow goes on to become an important figure in politics in, I believe, Minnesota, mm-hmm. where he became a mayor and then governor of Minnesota. Yep, yep. And even to- toyed with the idea of running for president, president. at one point. And so Jesse Ventura, for all these accolades that he has, apparently with Navy SEAL in, in, in the military, uh, acting career in the movie Predator, somehow caps off such an illustrious career with a show about conspiracy theories. And so as part of his show, he decides they're going to go visit Harp. Of course, he questioned whether the government was using the site to manipulate the weather or bombard people with mind-controlling radio waves, and even made an official request to visit the research station but was rejected. Whoa, now you said it was open to the public. Now, open yeah, book here. Well, now they have open houses. Maybe you have to show up on a certain day. Oh. So, of course, that day is the day they shut off all the mind control rays and the weather control <laughs> thing. Uh, they you shut off all that stuff. get it cleared first. Yeah. Now, he and his crew did show up anyway, but were denied access. Okay, Jesse Ventura. I know I was kind of kind of poking fun a little bit, but, you know, this guy had a, a very serious career and then did an entire TV show about conspiracy theories, which was prior to him attempting to run for president. Of course, probably really affected his chances of as it being often elected. does. As it often does. So. Now, of course, one thing I don't think we've really touched on is Harp is also stated in the realm of studying, creating, sending these radio frequencies. Uh, there's two types. There's the VLF, the very low frequency, and the ELF, the extreme low frequencies. But not only can Harp send radio pulses, but also receive and listen to any radio pulses that might be out there for a better understanding and monitoring space, making it the best receiving station speculated on the entire planet. I got to be honest, when I was really digging into the science of, of Harp, it kind of my eyes started to bleed a little. <laughs> I was, I, I like to think that I, I was a good kid in science, but the stuff that Harp was taught, I. It was a little mind boggling. I'm not qualified to even read that, I don't think. Yeah. So now, physicist Bernard Eastland claimed that Harp included technology based on his patents and that it has the ability to modify weather and neutralize satellites. This was from his own research. Ideas that he developed that, of course, the government then turned around and stole. Uh, the Russian military published a journal writing that the atmospheric testing would trigger a cascade of electrons that could flip Earth's magnetic poles, which you referenced there we a minute go. ago. Yep. And some have claimed that the ray, of course, could be used for mass mind control. Make the world zombies. Now, see, you, you say that that would be, you know, the thought. Of course, the, the conspiracy theory angle here is that it's being used now, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm making a connection here that wasn't, I didn't find in my research, but I could totally get, you know, to trigger things like riots in the streets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, give the government pretext to move in with, with military force or whatever. Well, even some speculate uh, trigger PTSDs and, you yeah. know, different things like that. That type of mind altering. I mean... If you wanted to take over a country, the first thing you would do, of course, would be to cause civil unrest and then use that as a as your, your justification for military intervention, 
which I know here in America, let's be honest, we, we go through that all the time lately. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not a, a dedicated conspiracy theorist, but I do love conspiracy theories. I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. And at one point in time, I looked at uh, the website above Top Secret every day, which is just all conspiracy theories. That's and, some crazy stuff. I crazy, mean, crazy stuff. But, well, when you get to the end of each president's term, there's always plans for that president to use whatever powers they have to do this, that, or the other. The lizard uh, people. What was it? Trump was going to ca- cause mass rioting and then used, you know, martial law to keep himself in office because yep. martial law postpones. And I can see how you could use, you know, conspiracy theorists could play in the game. You know, you, you use harp to, to trigger, you know, a mass outbreak of violence to use the military to move in, use it as your justification for martial law. And then, well, all, all jokes and kidding aside, um, communication. We all have these things called cell phones. And I mentioned, yeah. I threw out the term zombies. Just walk, even in our little small town of Lebanon, and you will see, and I'm, I'm guilty. I will, I'm going to say this, not only the younger generation. We are walking around staring at our cell phones. Basically, we are walking zombies, not paying attention to our surroundings or anything. All right, so I've been talking about wrestling. Last night, I was watching the WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. It's on Peacock, and if you pay for Peacock, you get them. And there was one match I was interested in, which was the main event. Uh, an underdog story, but I won't get into that. If you're into wrestling, you know what's going on. But there was, a, there was a, a part that made me laugh, and it goes along with what you were saying. They switched to a camera that was in the crowd, and the camera could barely see what was going on in the ring because of the number of cell phones in the air, people trying to record. They're not living in the moment. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to record the moment. Yep. I posted on TikTok yeah. or Facebook or whatever to get more I, likes. And, it yeah. irritates me. You go to a concert or something or you're in a public place and there's just a million cell phones yeah. in the air and you can't see it's what you're It's one thing doing. to put a lighter up in the air back in the day, but yeah, I, I get you with the cell phones. But yeah, I mean, honestly, if somebody wanted to beam signals directly into your brain, cell phone would be the way and, to And we're it. right there to catch you know the latest news or whatever flashes up on our phone. And, and to be honest, that kind of stuff does control you in a way. It I mean, does. You, I don't know if you've heard the, the, the term doom scrolling, where you just flip through your Facebook and you just look for the, the bad things. Makes sense. Uh, Reddit's really bad about it. If, you, if you're if you a Reddit person or a TikTok person even, and you get on the wrong side of those things, you can really get swept up into conspiracy theories like, like Harp. And well, them. and we all know cell phones and apps, they're listening to what we are interested in, and then they're tailoring ads and different stories to send to us to continue to make us go down these rabbit holes you know we talk about all these different things in in november of 2016 two georgia men that were arrested on drug charges were reportedly plotting to attack harp based on the massive conspiracy theories uh they were said to have a massive arsenal and they wanted to destroy harp because they believe the facility manipulates the weather controls minds and traps the souls of people uh they told police quote God told them to go and blow this machine up that kept souls so that the souls could be released. I mean, when you're dealing with conspiracy theories that far out. That, that's some sci-fi horse pucky right I there. <laughs> I don't know if we can capture souls. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's like Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. We'll add a little Ghostbusters to the recipe. And then, and then even, you know, the major earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, like you said, back on February 6th, you know, just a few weeks ago. Conspiracy theorists blame hard for that and said there were strange looking clouds in the sky as indicators of harp targeting. Now, that particular phenomenon, I believe, is called lenticular cloud formation, 
and it is normal, albeit it does look a little weird. It's not your regular big fluffy clouds. They sort of lay out in a grid formation, but it is normal, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. I'm not a cloud expert, so I can't tell you that. But you could also see why people would see something that's normal but not common and automatically jump to conclusions. Yeah. Now, I'm going to rewind a little bit back on an aspect that kind of goes here to Missouri with this. Going back in uh, 1942, Bloomfield, Michigan, as World War II stretches across several continents, architect and designer by the name of Ario Saarinen, I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, the same that designed the St. Louis Arch here in Missouri, is secretly enlisted in the United States military to work on part of a new organization that they're starting called the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. Now, better known today as the name change as the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency. Now, about this time in the late 1940s, the OSS was working on several theories. One was actually labeled, and this has become declassified, as weaponized weather. Oh, Bill has alluded to this a couple times. Yeah, I actually have a couple of anecdotes here from where we've weaponized weather or attempted to. So Now, during this time at the OSS, Sarenin developed and designed several buildings with his architecture and mechanics, some that were never built or tested. But is it possible or plausible that after leaving the OSS, some of these thinkings, the idealisms, might have been used to create such a strange and mysterious St. Louis arch. Could the strange, metallic, monolith-looking structure have further unharnessed abilities, possibly to even harness or control the weather, or maybe to serve as an antenna to send and receive radio waves of communication? It's said that no better weapon could ever exist than the ability to control weather itself. Pop, pop culture speaking, like, you know, we, we drop in our, our references here. The very first episodes of the G.I. Joe cartoon involve Cobra building a weather control device. Yes, there you go. So, I mean, you're talking, was it mid-80s? Mid-80s, yep. So, Is it really that hard to believe that, you know, Ario Serenin might not have yet fulfilled his studies or his experiments while working for the U.S. government? And that maybe, just maybe, his intent might be to further that experiment somehow with his own design of the St. Louis Arch. I personally got to say that sounds plausible. You know, you may not agree, but do consider one thing. It is public knowledge that other countries, including Russia and China, are pouring millions and millions of dollars into their own studies and understanding of weather control. With these other countries spending millions and millions, that has to equate to millions of like-minded thinkers that not only believe, but are willing to invest in that technology. Well, there is at least one time in American history where we did weaponize weather during the Vietnam War. Operation Popeye saw the U.S. seeding clouds over the Ho Chi Minh Trail and increasing rainfall by an estimated 30% during 1967 and 68, and basically an attempt to render the Ho Chi Minh Trail useless. You know, flood it out, muck it down, make it all mud, and, and, and so they couldn't use it for troop movement. And a research paper written in 1996 speculates on the use of nanotechnology to produce artificial weather. And one of the creepiest things that, that I read when I was reading about it was the possibility to create an intelligent fog. These little nanoparticles would draw water vapor to them and then would be able to move and take it with them. That's kind of some Stephen King Yeah, kind of it's stuff. just a fog that kind of went where you wanted it to. <laughs> now, 
scientists say that that all these things that a harp is being blamed on are well outside the abilities of the facility, if not the scope of science altogether. So, yeah, I gotta say, I mean, the some of the conspiracy theories. I mean, like the engineer and designer. Yeah, okay, that's plausible. But some of this stuff is like, wow. I mean, wow. Wait, that that's out there. Well, that's and, aluminum tinfoil hat kind of stuff for sure. Well, and on top of all that, there is an ant- international agreement, I guess like a G- Geneva Convention type thing that says we will not use weaponized weather as, as civilized human beings. We will not weaponize the environment in that way against other people. Not to say... It's not clearly spelt out what weaponizing weather is in those contexts, so. Now, on that note, is there only one harp in existence, one might ask? Well, I think they, they, there was a plan to open multiple harp-like facilities, including some in Europe, wasn't it? Well, recently, satellites have picked up some pictures that you can find on the internet, for what you might believe there, is believed to be another harp facility somewhere in the UK. Now, however, confirmation has not yet been made. Nobody's taking ownership, and it's purely speculation. Now, going back to old technology, I, I think most of us, again, you're talking about school days when, when we were young pups in school and science classes. Uh, many parts of the world still practice today some of the stuff that they taught us. Small planes flying through storm clouds would dump uh, silver iodine to shrink down the size of hail, uh, similar practices and small ways to control the weather. China actually continually fires rockets up into the sky, and in their words, it helps control their weather. Wasn't, uh, didn't they do some weather manipulation for the Beijing Olympics? Yes, yes, they did, trying to make sure we had beautiful, yeah. good weather for and the Olympics. You know? But is, is that a good idea? You know, Some people might want to ask. Is it Ch- Chaos theory. You know, the whole yeah. butterfly flaps his wings in Texas and you get a hurricane in New Zealand or whatever. <laughs> you know, is it altering? Is it changing? Maybe postponing the inevitable? Uh, much like a caged animal. Are we just poking the monster in the cage with a stick over and over? Could we be unknowingly altering Mother Nature? Uh, who, I have to say, has proven to us time and time again, she often has the final judgment. What's well, not uh, with what great is, destruction? What is the old commercial? It's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. And not nice to fool with Mother Nature. I think it was some old butter commercial, maybe. I thought it was a cleaning product, but I might be wrong. Uh, it was know. before o- my time. Oleo or <laughs> butter? Or, I don't know. Yeah, it, that's way back there. You know, it's theorized by believers that to have the ability to guide or, if you will, drive a tornado in and around densely populated cities and towns, well, that would be a great thing. Uh, Save well, thousands of lives and money and. But. You know, you if you can do it to the benefit, you can also do, do it, it to, to hurt people. Absolutely. And if, there's always the flip side of the yeah, coin. If there's a tornado outbreak somewhere in another country and, and we're, you know, at odds with that country, we, we target a populated center, or, you know, something important, a military asset or, or whatever. And and then we just say, whoa, that was a natural weather phenomenon. We yeah, had nothing, we to, do with nothing to do with that. I... I I hate to be that guy. Every every scientific event, let's be honest, most scientific advancements start as some secret military weapon that just happens to microwave ovens. Yeah. It was originally a military thing that we, you know, oh, well, let's transition it. We we learned that you can cook things with it and we made it, you know, available for civilian use. Or on the other side of the flip coin, we were just talking about somebody comes up with a great idea as a good thing and then it falls yeah. in the wrong hands. You find and a way to weaponize it. Absolutely. So, yeah, but, like. You know, if if it was done for the good reasons, 
think about the ability to drive, direct a tornado around densely populated areas, that would be a great thing. But in these theorized tests, they're like, okay, how could we possibly do that? Maybe if we drop a nuclear bomb in the tornado. You know, no, it, that's well, not for the one, answer. <laughs> whatever lies below there that we're trying to protect, uh, yeah, we, we just took care of that. Well, wasn't it Trump that proposed that idea for hurricanes? Yes, I think it was. <laughs> I think that was a Trump. Now, then again, you could you could go on to the next level if you want to buy into all this. If you drop a nuclear bomb next to a tornado, would it maybe only dislocate it a short distance? Would it break it up for a few moments? Maybe if, it if gave you, it more power. If you think about what a nuclear bomb does, though, and you, you remember your the mushroom video of like yeah but the kini atoll in the test i would assume detonating a nuclear bomb by a tornado which is get rid of the tornado now but the flip side of that is you've now detonated a nuclear bomb so yeah so the the clean rather have the tornado at that point i think yeah yeah you know the nuclear bomb is the closest thing we can have to the runner-up to mother nature's theory of a tornado but again we don't understand that that would be much like us jumping in a tornado taking it for a drive without a driver's license no highways no roads and let's just take it for a test spin and see what happens and and again the way my mind works is if you have a way to use it for good purposes with the people that are in control of our country you're going to use it for bad purposes too. absolutely somebody out there is going to be thinking that way yeah so i think it's time for the nightmare headlines eric Ooh. I'm going to take this kind of a step further of something I mentioned um, for my headliner. In February 2021, a historic winter storm devastated Texas, significantly impacting every county there in the state. And that's the one where millions of people were without power and and all that. Elderly were freezing to death. and Now. It was horrible. I mean, even if you want to step outside the conspiracy theory part of that, Texas had the ability to invest in their infrastructure. Yes. And they said, well, it never gets that cold in Texas, so they didn't prep for it. The Titanic will never sink. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just cursed yourself. Same concept. (laughs) The power outages that followed led to the loss of hundreds of lives and billions of dollars in damage. It was Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2021, when it started snowing in Texas. Not something, you know, many had heard on the radio and TV, but simply thought was a joke about this giant snowstorm predicted to hit texas so they had a little bit of pre-warning you know and again well, like you, you get a little snow in texas it's but I believe not it was so cold it was like record-breaking cold for texas yes and so again like their their power grid wasn't built to handle that nowhere near it so it, now, they've it, made yeah. some improvements since then you know they've been quick to uh to stay out but however the week that followed that valentine's day uh 2021 told a much more devastating story The following day, February 15th, 2021, nearly 3 million Texans were without power. And I know I keep interrupting you here. If you've read what happened in that time frame, the guy who shut down the power grid was, I think they said, 30 seconds away. They were 30 seconds away from destroying the power grid. Like it It was was so overloaded that if it went out on its own, it would have taken months to repair. Wow. They shut it down. Yeah, they shut it down with like 30 seconds to spare. And yes, they left. How would you like to be that guy? Well, does he get paid enough? Yeah, they (laughs) left all these people without power, but it it kept the disaster from being worse. Yeah. Instead of just one week, it could have been months. Now, 
Some had power flickering on and off for a few hours at a time. So that first day, some were able to even cook a hot meal or, you know, warm their houses up or whatever. But at this time, many homes were, you know, while they were lucky to get that hot meal cooked, still temperatures in the home plummeted to an average of about 40 degrees by nightfall. Now, with power remaining out for hundreds and thousands of people, it was kind of flicker back on for a while. They think they would get it up, but the power structure then would fail. It would go back down. Some people were just without power entirely for the week. Some people who, of course, had illnesses, health-related issues, COPD and uh, breathing-related issues, found themselves struggling to breathe, uh, obviously without this power for oxygen. And so the 911 calls began to pour in. Many elderly suffering from these various health issues struggled to keep warm, some even cutting up and burning their furniture to try to stay warm. Others gathered outside where it was just as warm as it was inside and started bonfires with fallen limbs and trees and trash debris, whatever they could find to burn. Some would run their cars all night long with the heat on, taking turns. Uh, trying to stay warm and to get some rest until, of course, they ran out of gas. Well, in, in any your car or generator or anything like that, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. Uh, yeah. Again, if you're going to do it, do it outside, crack yeah. windows, you know, don't be in your garage and close it down and all that. But many Texans found themselves with freezing temperatures in their homes with no lights, no no electricity for over 72 hours. Uh, while some did leave their homes to try to find food at local grocery stores, they found lines wrapped around the blocks, or when they did get there, the shelves were bare. Kind of reminds me of the whole 2020 thing, trying to go buy essentials, and my gosh, couldn't even find toilet paper for Pete's sake. Disabled vets and those on Social Security stated due to their limited income and the way they only got paid once a month, they didn't have the comforts of having large food pantries and storage. Uh, so a lot of them literally... I mean, ran out of food. Uh, Entire families were rationing what they had to eat once per day. One uh, disabled American vet mother with multiple children uh, went online, uh, recorded later, saying that they had a single can of ravioli that they passed around for their one meal a day between her and her kids. Now, on February 18th, uh, showed a possible break in the frigid weather, allowing some to flee uh, before a second storm would be hitting. Now, during that second storm, many houses pipes froze, broke, causing flooding, water damage, insult to injury when the families did return home. Uh, the uh, Indu Palay family of Dallas, Texas, tells a horrific tale of their father who had contracted COVID-19 during this time frame. Now, he chose to self-quarantine there and stay in the house as not to spread the COVID virus uh, to his family and loved ones. However, this gentleman had other health issues uh, which affected him which resulted in him uh, needing oxygen as well as sleeping with a CPAP machine. I, for one, I have sleep apnea. I have to have that machine to sleep every night, all without power or heat. It was too much. And sadly, he passed away on the 22nd, just days after making it through the worst of the weather, quarantined in his room without electricity. On the 19th, temperatures finally started to get above freezing. Power began to be slowly restored as families attempted to move on, many coming back home for the first time in several days. And the communities pulled together, showing strength, helping one another. Many stores gave away their products to help families make repair, whether it be, you know, plumbing pipes to replace frozen pipes or fresh water, clothing, whatever, because 
it wasn't like they could just come back home and unlock their house and move in. Again, you had frozen pipes, you had flooding, you had water damage, insulation, sheetrock was wet. It, it yeah, was horrible. The long-term impact was, was, I mean, the immediate impact was bad, but the long-term impact for a lot of people was, was even worse. Yeah. If you survived, you know, the freezing and then your pipes ruptured and then your pipes leak into your insulation and you get mold and, and rot and that black mold and all that, you know, the whole surprise weather event is what I'm alluding to of that 2021 in Texas. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like I said, they did have a little bit of notice, but it was sudden and it was brutal. Was this an example of weather control? Some certainly believe it was. Well, you want to go the conspiracy theory route. It's a red state, right? It is. And it is. You know, we want to show. And obviously the largest. We want to show the that, states. that, you know, some people want to show that Republican management ain't the best way to go. So yeah. well, I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. Please do. My article is from Tempo.co on February 16th, 2023. And uh, the headline is the government utilize weather modification ahead of 2023 drought. Now, this is from Jakarta, Indonesia. So I figured we're going to talk about weather modification. That'd be a good thing to talk about here. Uh, Government agencies are, of course, predicting that drought conditions will continue to be severe in Indonesia in 2023. And the Meteorology, Climatology, and Geophysics Agency will enact a weather modification program in an attempt to overcome the the more serious effects of the drought. Uh, Artificial rain is intended to maximize the rain occurring in clouds around reservoirs so they can fill those reservoirs ahead of drought conditions. And the operation will, of course, be carried out when conditions are suitable for seeding. Now, they did say the rain will be of greater intensity than natural rain, and they hope that the the volume of water produced will also be greater so that they can fill reservoirs and things like that ahead of the worst of the drought season. Uh, They're also collaborating with other government agencies to direct the rain where it will be needed. I think they talked about places that were prone to wildfires. They would try to make sure that those areas got thoroughly drenched when they have the ability Again, to create very rain. good thought, very good principle. Yeah. Like we said, you could use this, this technology for good if you have it, uh, you know, but again, you could also. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Literally any, any good idea can be turned into a very dangerous idea. So the, the whole, you know, the whole government here, multiple agencies are coming together to start this massive weather modification program with the hope of filling their reservoirs ahead of the drought. To, to drench these areas where wildfires may be, you know, a risk and just, and, and, you know, to try to, to help the citizenry. So, you know, like I said, I'll lighten it up a little bit and talk about, you know, where weather modification is being used as a positive. Very good. Well, we certainly hope that you've enjoyed yet another installment of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Look up to the skies and you might scratch your head from time to time. Weather control. Is it a good or bad thing? Thanks for listening. So, I say so a lot. I've noticed so. I cut those out a lot, too. <laughs> With my ums. You want me to start? I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, I don't know what... Go. Yeah, just jump in there. Claim that the floods in Pakistan were car... Well, were cars. <laughs> We'd like to give a shout out to our first... Uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, Lubden, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. 
We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and we'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.